0: blog talk radio interviewing your favorite musicians comedians and other creative souls this is the Carrie edelman show hey everyone and welcome to the Carrie edelman show we have an awesome show tonight i want to say happy new year to everyone This is the first show of 2014, so tonight we have the lead singer Tony West joining us from the alternative rock and metal band Blacklist Union. These guys are really amazing. I'm going to do a nice introduction for them uh, before I bring them on. As I do, I always like to do a brief introduction to my show. They're going to join one of the amazing list of bands I've had the pleasure of interviewing over the course of the past two and a half years Since I've launched the show, and some of those bands include Smile Empty Soul, the metal band Soil, Eve to Adam, I Empire, Otherwise, Art of Dying, and so many others. So please check out the podcast for all these bands and continue to support and promote them. So I started this show with the concept in mind that I really wanted to create a forum where I could bring people on in the entertainment industry. I interview everyone from comedians to rock bands, um, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, um, anyone doing something creative, because I really wanted to create a forum to help support people. A little bit about myself, um, my background predominantly, I work as a clinical and forensic psychologist, that's what I do full-time, so I really enjoy using my interviewing skills and uh, bringing them to the entertainment forum where I can really do some thorough and comprehensive interviews with people. These interviews are very different from the typical ones you'll often see out there, so I hope you'll really enjoy this night. We're going to take you on a nice journey of um, Tony's life and uh, his musical experiences. My other background is in entertainment. I have an album out as a solo artist. I do some writing for some magazines, and then, as I mentioned, I launched this show. So I'm going to sh- so you're going to get a really good taste of what these people's lives are like, what it's like to be in the profession, and I just asked a couple of things that people keep in mind, although I mentioned I'm a clinical psychologist, um, my show is meant purely for entertainment purposes, we're not doing any type of uh, therapy on the show, although sometimes we do like to joke around a little bit, and as long as we keep it generic, that's, that's great. I know everyone has had their own challenges in the entertainment industry, so we do like to use some comedy and humor on my show. And the second thing is if you're going to talk about any potentially embarrassing, humiliating experiences, feel free to do so, but just leave any uh, identifying information out about any of the persons uh, that you might be talking about. So if you're tuning in, please create a Blog talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com and you can also join us in the chat room because I'm a one-person show. I'm going to be predominantly focused on my interview with Tony tonight, so you can also call in. The number is posted. It's 805-243-1320. I want to also personally thank uh, Doug Weber from New Ocean Media. I've done a bunch of work with him for coordinating bands, and um, I worked with him to bring Tony to the show tonight. So like I said, I'm going to give a brief introduction, and then we're bringing Tony on. So Blacklist Union features Tony West. It's a rock band with a combination of a lot of cooks, infectious riffs, and heartfelt lyrics, which tell the story of Tony's life which has dealt with a lot of unfortunate experiences and challenges that he's encountered including Death, love, loss, uh, substance use, and, and he's going to hopefully share some of that with us tonight. But again, it's all open to how much he feels comfortable sharing. Um, although I like to say that these guys are just really original and they really do have a sound that's all of their own. If people out there like the 80s rock and the 90s, you know, the gritty rock music like Alice in Chains, Guns N' Roses, James Addiction, you are definitely going to fall in love with these guys and this band. Um, they've actually been slated to be the next Guns and Roses, so you have to check them out. Their album right now is titled Till Death Do Us Part. It's out on iTunes, Amazon Music, and all the major digital sites. Uh, It had a lot of collaborations with some major bands on it, including members from Saliva, Crazy Town, Danzig, Iggy and the Stooges. Um, So again, check it out. Go to blacklistunion.com and be sure to download and pick up a copy of their new album, Till Death Do Us Part. All right, so let's bring Tony on. Hopefully the uh, intro did him justice. Yeah, hey, here. Tony, how are you? How are you? Good. Good, thanks. how are you? <clears throat> I'm really good. So, good, awesome. Thank you for joining me tonight, and I'm really looking forward to promoting you and the band.
1: Thank you. Thank you for much. All
0: right, cool. Me. Where are you calling in from right now? Are you in uh, California, Hollywood?
1: Yeah, I'm in North Hollywood, actually, where I live.
0: Nice. Very nice. How long have you lived there?
1: I've been here since last June. It's a pretty nice day, though. Um, It's like 80-something degrees. It was 83 degrees or something.
0: Nice. Well, I'm on the East Coast, and it's it's not that temperature here, I'll tell you that much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Where are you on the East Coast? New Jersey. Oh, nice. I just got back from New York. I was there for two weeks.
0: Cool, cool. What were you doing out there?
1: Just uh, with the family, you know. My son got to see snow for the first time. He's seven.
0: Oh, and, um, nice!
1: Hanging with my mom, and I have a daughter that's a year and a half. And uh, it was fun. It was good. Good times. Nice. So you
0: I a seven-year-old. Yeah, yeah that's seven-year-old
1: and a one-and-a-half-year-old.
0: Wow! Very nice. Congratulations. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, we're definitely going to delve into. And as I mentioned in the intro, you know, as much as you feel comfortable, I'm not the type of interviewer that's going to. I'm a big Howard Stern fan, but um, and I I do a similar type of. I really like to get to know who the person is, um, in addition to, of course, promoting all your music. But you feel free to share whatever you feel comfortable with. Sure. Cool. All right. So let's uh, start out a little bit talking about just you know where did you grow up, um, what area of New York, and uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, your childhood growing up. I know that as you mentioned in your bios you know, pretty traumatic at times, and you went through some really tough times. So, you know, share with us some background information.
1: Um, well, I grew up and was born in the Bronx uh, up until I was 10 years old, and um, I was introduced to music at, at a really young age, you know, um, by family. Uh, mostly my uncle, my Uncle Jimmy, who lives mm-hmm. in Jersey. He works at Seton Hall College, actually. And, um right. He uh, introduced me to Bowie and the Ramones and um, ACDC and Pink Floyd and Boston and Queen, Sabbath, you know. And, um, I mean, I-, I saw ACDC live when I was five years old, at Madison Square Garden, um, but for those about to rock tour. And, okay. And um, I pretty much knew, <clears throat> you know, after my you know, soul jumped out of my body from the cannons, you know, being such a little kid, um, (laughs) I was pretty sure that uh, that's what I was going to do with my life, and, um, you know, eight years old, I was going to see the Ramones, and um, I love, I'm a huge Ramones fan, and, um, you know, I consider myself, uh, I'm definitely into, like, you know, punk rock kind of rock, where it's Mm ACDC, and stuff that makes you want to move, like, it makes you move without even trying, like, you just move to it, you know? And um, sure. music for me had such an impact on my life because, yes, um, you know, I had an abusive household, you know, from my father to my mother and other relatives and stuff, um, verbal abuse, you know, and, you know, we definitely got our butts kicked and um, hardcore, though, wow. you know. And uh, So, yeah, me and, well, I can't speak for my sister, but I know she's endured some of the same things, but
0: mm-hmm. all the
1: abuses you could possibly have and... you know as soon as uh music was my saving grace like Mm -hmm. that for that whole period of time i mean that's still my (laughs) to this day it is but surviving you know that kind of stuff music was my outlet and you know later on i got into a lot of punk rock like you know the dead kennedys for instance and um you know they're very political and they've taught me about stuff you know, that's going on now, you know, at a really young age, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they, sure. were, they were saying, this is coming, and, you know, in I, jell Opera, he's a very intelligent guy, you know, and <clears throat> so I got a lot of information for music and stuff, and, you know, basically, it, it molded me as, as a person, as a soul, I mean, it's just a big part of my, you know, life and my everything, really, you know.
0: So, growing so growing up, you're, like you said, you're pretty young, you're like, you know, between the ages of five, ten, you're getting involved in music, you're also, unfortunately, enduring just this very, you know, traumatic childhood that no child should be subject to, and, and you were finding an outlet. Were you singing? Were you, what were you doing specifically? Were you starting to write, starting to teach yourself well, an instrument?
1: I remember writing songs as I was a kid, like, I mean, from as young as six years old, seven. Okay. And just writing little songs, and... I remember wanting to put together shows, like, and I would when my cousins came over, like, singing shows and stuff for the family. And then I remember one time I got this part in this school play, and I mean, it was either third or fourth grade, and, like, they were going to let me sing in it. And I came home, and I told my family, hey, I got this part singing in this play, and I got Uh laughed at right i i got laughed at and like put down about it the next day i go to do the audition and i'm standing outside near the doors and mm-hmm. um i hear the kids auditioning and i remember what they said like oh you can't do that whatever and i walked away and that was a really because <laughs> That was the wrong move to make, but I was just a kid, you know. And then right, right. From that point on, like, when I started out to really, really want to be a good singer, like, I had to work very hard at being a good singer. It wasn't something, you know, that, that came easy. Um, but I had that in, in the back of my head, you know, from a long time, that experience. And I had to tell myself that experience means nothing and
0: right. <laughs> whatever.
1: You know, you can have a completely my perception's way different than theirs or whatever, you know, I might have internalized it totally not in the correct way.
0: Well, it was so, just, I think it was unfortunate. You're saying that not only did your family kind of make it into this joke, but then the kids at the school were also kind of making you feel like, now you can't do this, and you just kind you know, of walked away.
1: My family's the one that said it. I didn't even make right. it into the audition. i I was too afraid. I stood outside the door, you know. And I oh, walked okay. away.
0: Aww.
1: Yeah, yeah. But anyway, but you know, like It's you such said, a young I mean, age. You
0: know, right. <clears throat> Come on. It's
1: very impressionable. No, it's very impressionable at a really, really young age. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: I try to be so careful with my son, you know. I swear I really do. And although I have to guide him, you know, and be, like, stern with him, you know, I really always try hard to do it with um, kindness. You know, of course, it's not always possible. But, <laughs> You know, right, I mean, right, been a but, but he did some ahead. crazy things. No, there's been a couple of times where he did some crazy stuff, and I, you know, was like, but I wouldn't hit him. You know, I was like, get to bed, dude. You're grounded for life, you know.
0: Right, right. So,
1: right, kind of but I
0: think, like you said, you learn that there's different ways to approach, you know, discipline, and it doesn't have to be always in this kind of very, like you said, abusive type of manner. um yeah. yeah, wow. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, reading about the bio, and I think it's, you know, to help us get into where eventually, like you said, you are today. And, again, I just want to commend you for just, you know, again, your, your perseverance, your motivation, and you've really shown through the dedication and everything that you put forth that, you know, you've overcome a lot of stuff and, and been very successful, which is just awesome, and I love to see those types of stories. Um, so 13 years old this year, you know, is it that you've just, you can't take it anymore. You've had enough. You, tell us the story about how Guns N' Roses left this impression on you, and you decided to take off with a few bucks in your pocket, a guitar, and hitchhike, so to speak. From what I read,
1: uh, I got to um, got to see Guns N' Roses. You know, 11 years old with my uncle again, and uh, that whole there was a whole explosion of music then for me. Um, I mean, I was really young. I was going to shows in New York City all the time, punk rock stuff. And, you know, like my friend, um I'm friends with Todd Youth, who he started the cro and Agnostic Front and all these legendary punk rock bands, like when he was that age. And okay. I just, I split to Hollywood and um, just thought, you know, basically I thought you can be a drug addict and a rock star. I was like, sign me up. So, hmm That's what I did for a very long time too. Wow! And real
0: and real quick, Tony was was substance use a big part of the family upbringing too. When you were enduring,
1: there was a lot of alcohol. There was a lot of alcohol, alcoholism in my family. Yeah, but as soon as I could, as soon as I could get high and not feel what I was feeling, I was ready for it. I signed up for it as soon as I could because of the childhood I had. Mm -hmm. You know because I didn't want to feel like I thought something was wrong with me, you know. Like, that was... It took years to get that thinking straight, you know.
0: Wow. And did you get into, like, real heavy types of stuff? And, again, you don't have to go into the details. I I definitely experimented
1: with every kind of drug, you know. Wow. uh, Yeah, we we used to do all kinds of stuff. And I'm lucky I lived, I mean, I swear. And and that I'm healthy, (laughs) you know. Right, um, right. A lot of kids... um, in that situation, don't survive. I got into um, telemarketing really at a young age, you know, and, um, <laughs> you know, survived like that.
0: Okay. So this is the telemarketing stuff. So is this after you, tell us just to, you know, give us a few, you know, lines or sentences about what was it like? Did you literally hitchhike your way out to California?
1: Well, I, I took a greyhound. I don't know where that came from. but
0: oh, Okay well then someone's, uh, someone's put in some stuff into some of the bio stuff that I read so I went to a bunch of different sites so it's not oh, always okay. accurate but okay so you took a greyhound Okay.
1: yeah and that's not a lot of fun I ha- you know I've taken greyhounds before and I had no money for food and I was eating packaged packaged relishes and stuff at the um, bus depots oh. wow <laughs> oh yeah. gosh miraculous you know things Right, that that you lived through, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh uh, my gosh.
1: This went on for a very long time, and um, you know. So for, where were you living when you landed? You know, and
0: keep talking about what we were talking about, and then progress into you know where did you land in L.A. and and who were you living with? You know, at that young age, did you know anyone out there? There
1: used to be this. There used to be this place. Called, no, not really. Um, there used to be this place called Tommy's Burgers, which was on Hollywood Boulevard and Wilcox, but it was filled with punk rock runaway kids, all high on drugs. And, I mean, I, I'm telling you, it was like that for years.
0: Wow. It was
1: like that long enough for me to, you know, the early years, like <laughs> sleep at people's houses, we'd squat, whatever we had to do, um, go to shows, you know what I mean? I had fake IDs and for 21. You know, by 15, I was definitely drinking at bars and going to clubs, you know.
0: And while all this is happening, did your did your parents try to find you or stop you or anything like that?
1: There was brief moments, uh, a couple times. I went to my mom's, uh, but that was much later. Once when I was 18, um, for like probably six weeks, and mm-hmm. then once when I was 24. But
0: and this was back in New York. You went back to New York?
1: No. My mom got remarried and moved out here, okay, uh, to to Saugus, um, which is near Magic Mountain. Okay, but um, and my rest of my family was in New York.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So you're you're out there. Tell us a little bit about how you eventually met up with. Was it a band called the Daw Hoss Mob? If I'm pronouncing that correctly.
1: Oh, yeah, Doc's House and, Mob.
0: Yeah, I read a little bit about kind of how you, I don't know if you were playing with them or you just kind of met up with them well, and they, met, they took in. I met
1: every musician in town or, you know, uh, aspiring artist or whatever um, did telemarketing back then. Hollywood was just a mecca of, like, it was like a huge college campus with rockers, like, and, you know, punk rockers going crazy, like, all the time. Like It was like that for years. You know, a few years wow. I got to experience that. Up until about 94. But um, what was the question again? I'm sorry.
0: So that's okay. (laughs) So just your experience with how you met up with these guys from this doghouse mob band. It's
1: called Doc's Doc's House Mob. Okay. Um, And and they were kings of Hollywood like in 92 and through 94 or so. And um, I met them because um, the guitar players were really young, like 17, 18 you know from indiana and they were doing telemarketing with me so we all decided you know we all had a place together we got a place together and um you know a couple of the members of doc's house mob um you know they ran with the guns and roses guys and a lot of you know rock and roll elite and i quickly psh, was in that you know what i mean very quickly it just kind of fell into my lap you know
0: wow so, Mm-hmm. So from there, it sounds like you had an opportunity. And I definitely want to play a couple of songs tonight um, to network and, you know, meet up with some pretty established and renowned, you know, people in the industry.
1: Yeah, but I was a, a you know, a kid and really kind of screwed up and to know, you know, what was uh, happening, the opportunities that were before me, you know, I just was like, <laughs> it was just party time every night, every oh. single night. We would get evicted from places and uh, all the time it, to the point now where a rocker goes to Hollywood to look for an apartment, and they're like, oh, no, no. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> right away, they're like, uh, we don't let rockers live here because all the rock and rollers just destroyed Hollywood. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun, and it was pretty crazy, but, you know, I, I don't regret any of it. I learned a lot, and, you know, um, what happened for me was... Um, I had said this prayer, like, outside this rehearsal studio I was staying at. Um, I would go outside and say, please, God, you got to help me get off drugs. I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm like, if you do not help me, I'm going to die, please. And um, it was the most sincere prayer of my life, I swear. And um, mm-hmm. I walked back into the rehearsal studio, and the owner of the studio, he was in a wheelchair, my friend Raz. He used to let me live there, basically. I lived there. And he goes, okay. hey, man. He goes, Heraldo pe- Rivera's people just called, and they're doing a show on crystal meth, and they want you to go on the show, and um, they're going to offer you rehab on the show. And I was like, what? You know. And wow. Three days. Three days later, I was in this rehab with like Michael Kennedy, who's dead now. He was Robert Kennedy's son, but it was mm-hmm. one of the most prestigious, you know, rehabs. And Michael became a good friend of mine for a minute, and it was uh, it saved my life, like. It really saved my life. like. So I was lucky, you know, that um, that, that happened to me, you know.
0: Oh, so, definitely. Was uh, that the I main rehab? Because it looked like, again, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, from some of the stuff I read that you were in and out of a couple of different ones, was that kind of the one that broke, like you're saying, was like kind of the straw that broke the camel's back? Or? Well,
1: that's the one that saved my life and introduced okay. me to, like, 12 steps. And that's what taught me basically um the guidelines of life because that was bypassed for me like my family there was no communication everything's fine don't (laughs) worry you know everything's fine everything's fine that was the deal like you have to look fine on the outside but on the inside you know people are torn up you know and things weren't talked about like you weren't given sort of like some at least like a blueprint of how to handle things or whatever like i'm going to do for my son like it was just like I always say, okay, go on now, like, you, like I'm a kid, and I'm like, okay, go on now, you know, and they just like, go fend for mm-hmm. yourself, you know, and um, that's kind of how it was.
0: So it sounds like finally, like you're saying, you had some, whether it's role models or just some guidelines of how to, you know, get get a, get around in life, so to speak, from, you know, going and, into and that it, rehab.
1: And then, and that's what <clears throat> taught me, you know, stuff about, and how to, um, get rid of the pain like the steps will the steps help you like actually like get the pain out of you like mm-hmm. I, I had an experience where I did I forgot what step it was or whatever but um it was like little pinpoints of light leaving me like negative stuff you know
0: wow. it's really weird yeah. how
1: that works I'm telling you it, it definitely works you know but people have to do it they have to do right. the work that's involved.
0: Exactly. The only way you have get to get the benefits the
1: is is to do the work. And believe me, you know, I'm not perfect, you know, but, um, like, over, you know, the holidays, you know, I had drinks with my family, whatever, but at this point in my life, like, I had it, and, like, I don't even want to touch it again until, like, the next holidays because it just wrecks <laughs> your body, you know?
0: hmm
1: well, No, it but, sounds like um, it was an
0: amazing opportunity and experience that y- you had, and... You
1: took advantage yeah, of yeah. it, and that's just, that's great.
0: Saved my life, so. Wow. But that's when Let's I really was
1: able to get my act together, and mm-hmm. shortly after that I put my first band together, which was a Ramones tribute band. And, okay. um, and then uh, my first band was called, um, well, we were called Freak Magnet originally and changed it to Freak Machine, but I was like 21. but That was in like 98. So, you know, I spent a lot of years, the Ramones band was 96, but I spent a lot of years just completely out of control and like not even in control enough for myself. But forget about getting a band together because, you know, I can't even hold it. I couldn't even hold it together for 20 seconds, you know, so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: why it took so long, like I didn't do anything.
0: So after you went, like you said, after you, you came out of the rehab and you're starting to get things under control, the first band is the Ramones Tribute Band, and
1: yeah. then what
0: I want to do is let's play, let's play one of the tracks right now, and then I want to come back and let's talk about how you know, Black Blacklist Union came to be, how you guys came together, and a bunch of other stuff about cool. your really interesting musical past. And I apologize, because I didn't get your message until just tonight when I got in from work, so I had spoke mm-hmm. with Doug Weber, and He recommended Alabama Slammer, and that was one of the ones I first had even picked before he emailed me. So I want to definitely play that one, and uh, you can tell us a little bit about, you know, that track, and then we're going to check Mm -hmm. it out because it's definitely one of my personal favorites.
1: Awesome.
0: All right, so tell us a little bit about that track.
1: I'll tell you about Alabama Slammer now.
0: Yeah, just give us a little. Or you want to talk? Why don't we do this? Well, no. let's introduce the song. Whatever the works for okay. you. If you want to talk about it, or you yeah. want to come back. I could and talk
1: tell you about it. it. It's kind of a crazy okay. story. Um, you know, um, so our first CD is uh, called "After the Morning," "Morning Death," though it's spelled M-O-U-R.
0: Mhm.
1: You know, N-I-N-G, because "After the Morning" was li- uh, released in tribute to Bianca from. Um, Betty Blowtorch, who died and was a dear friend of mine. And um, Ten days after releasing that CD, my wife that I was with for ten years, Tracy, we were broke up at the time, like, you know, for about a year, and she found out she had cancer and died ten days after releasing after the morning, you know. Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: So I was thrown right back into this mourning phase that I thought I just healed from,
0: so mm-hmm.
1: I said to myself, "Oh, I can't feel this. I have to keep going." So I immersed myself in in music and work and you know everything else, and did another, you know our second CD and toured and did all this stuff. And um, Alabama Slammer is about this girl who she you know, she won a Rock of Love too, and um, we were boyfriend and girlfriend, and uh, I was starting to break because I had all this unresolved emotion that i didn't deal with especially tracy my ex-wife dying i didn't deal with it you know and um sure i was starting to kind of uh fall uh come undone at the seams and um she saw it coming you know i had really bad post-traumatic stress disorder like i always thought i was like i'm like oh i feel like i'm gonna die i feel like i'm gonna die you know and, she It freaked her out, like I should have been talking to someone I don't know what I should have been doing, but she um when she left me, we had a really great relationship. I was really in love with her too, and she's a great woman, and you know um but when she left me, it was the catalyst to all that unresolved emotion that mm-hmm. I had not felt about Tracy, and I really came apart bad about all that stuff. And um, all the ambuscularities about that whole experience is pretty heavy.
0: No, it sounds like it, Tony. And again, thank you for sharing all this because I i know that you've been through a lot. And again, I'm a, I work in clinical and forensic psychology, and I i deal with this, you know, daily. And it's, it's very, yeah, but it's tough. its It's really tough. You have to remember, very...
1: though, I'm not yeah. the only one, you know, and my whole mm-hmm. thing is if I talk about this stuff. I can help somebody. I swear to God. If if I just oh, help sure. one person, I've done my mm-hmm. job. And believe me, I've had quite a few people say the most you know profound, outstanding, you know, beautiful things because of what my music has done for them. You know, and that's the ultimate honor. I mean, that's the best honor absolutely you know, you could possibly asked for.
0: So absolutely. That's well, thank you. So let's uh, put you on hold. Yep. Sure. No, definitely, definitely. And and I really appreciate it. And good stuff. So um, I'm going to put you on okay. hold and we're going to check out the song and then we'll come back and uh, talk more about your wife and uh, this album, okay? Okay. All right, hold on. All right, everyone. Again, the infamous Tony West from the alternative metal and rock band Blacklist Union. Let's check out their hit single, Alabama Slammer. It is off their album Till Death Do Us Part, so please download a copy of this album. It is just some amazing work that these guys have done and as I said they collaborated with a lot of different uh, musicians on it too so here we go Alabama Slammer on the Carrie Edelman show and we will be back Mm everyone welcome back to the carrie omen show again the hit single alabama slammer off of till death do us part from blacklist union so again please check out their album some amazing music on music on it excuse me game over is another great one blown away the hit uh the title track so again check these guys out you do not want to miss it and uh, go to blacklistunion.com all right so let's bring tony back on All right, Tony, again, great, great song. Thank you. So tell us about your voice, again, because you said, like, singing was something. It took, you know, some hard work. Did you ever take any formal lessons? I mean, just your voice is amazing. I love it.
1: Oh, thanks so much. I I, um, took some lessons, worked with a coach for a long time, and she taught me, you know, how to properly breathe and, you Mm -hmm. know, have your throat open and so forth and where your diaphragm is and all that kind of stuff, but... You know, I I learned to um you know, singing to other records too like um what you would call it, uh Mother Love Bone was a huge influence for me, Andrew Wood um who in if you're not familiar with Mother Love Bone and mm-hmm. Andrew Wood died and and they became Pearl Jam, who I'm not a fan oh, okay. of, but Mother Love Bone is amazing and um I also um I'm into a lot of the cult, like uh two records from the cult especially, um, Love and Electric. Um, I learned, you know, I sang to those. Um, A lot of Sabbath and Jane's Addiction, uh, for sure. Definitely. Um, but there's some, you know, uh bands that you know, I, I tended to maybe, um, you know, go there because my natural voice was so much like that too, like For me, it's very easy to sing Zeppelin or, um, you know, Ozzy or, you know, that high stuff, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, Yep. And uh, sometimes it's more difficult for me to sing lower, uh, which is odd, but, um, you know, so musically, uh, for vocally, you know, Andrew Wood and another guy out of New York um, was in a band called the Warrior Soul. His name's Corey Clark, but they're a huge rock band in the early 90s that were every very influential on me and of course Allison Chains um, that's kind of uh, where my cool. where I draw from you know vocally yeah you can definitely
0: of... hear some of those influences but as I said in the beginning of the intro I think you guys really again you really have adapted your own original sound even though you can hear you know yeah. little themes here and there and I think people oh yeah you know the audience likes something like that when they can't kind of grasp like a similarity it's kind of hard for people sometimes to catch on so yeah I think that's the nice thing about you guys is you can hear some some themes of different bands but you're still kind of blacklist (laughs) union so tell us how uh, you guys formed tell us a little bit about when you came together um, and some background information then we'll start getting into talking about the album and some other stories involved along those lines
1: well um i put the band the band back together or together in uh, 2004 um mm-hmm. after after dealing with years of like going to auditions and checking out bands and um you know i never started my own band you know really i always would audition and then end up jamming with people and playing music sometimes not ever getting even out of the rehearsal studio or right. working a lot of time right. and, whatever it was um you know people that you know really you know really want to do it you know like for real right so um in 2004 you know i, I formed blacklist union at the end of the year i remember when we were writing songs for the first cd um that whole thing with uh dime went down but um right when we, uh, we were writing the cd and what you would call it? Um, I just formed the band really because I have a. Vi- I'm a pretty visionary person, you know. And, um, and tell I us, not a, a to vision- interrupt,
0: but just not to interrupt, but tell us a little bit about how did you form the band? Like you said, you're, you know, trying to try out for all these different projects, and the people can't even get their butts out of the studio, and you know, you yeah. want something serious. So, what do you do to take control and, and you know find the right people? Because that can be hard too. Well,
1: you just got to take the initiative and. You know, really, when it comes down to it, a a real band is like a business, and you know, you're doing business with people, and they have to have common sense and business sense, which isn't always possible. And you know, they have one thing, whether it's their their relationship or their habits or whatever, that you know hold people down. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I just took the initiative and found some guys that could really write, you know, some music and um, formed a band and kind of been leading it the, the whole time because it's not easy when you don't have a lot of business in place or, you know, um, a big booking agent or whatever. Um, it's hard to keep a band going. And, yeah. And, and there's got to be one or two guys that are kind of run the show. And I've been that guy, you know, and I've worked with a lot of great musicians and stuff. But LA is different, you know, once you have... A deal and some money on the table, then people will line up around the block. But until then, they don't care, you know. Right. So, but I, I've persevered through all that stuff and, you know, kept it together and, you know, have developed quite a, a little thing here. But, um, you know, we started playing out, and it, it, see, I want to play music that makes me move, you know. When I see a band, I want to move. And being so influenced by punk rock and rock you know i got to see Mm -hmm. the ramones live like the ramones live was a religious experience for me you know (laughs) so i want to have that energy with rock and roll you know and and there's not too many bands out there doing it you know and doing it well i mean of course you have the aerosmiths and black sabbaths but they've been doing that since before you know i was born you know so right i mean i love them i mean they're definitely mentors, but who's the last band to come along and really rock your world? Well, that's what I'm talking about, you know. That's right. what I'm going for, like where you leave the show and you say, wow, like that kicked my butt, like I need some more of that, you know.
0: <laughs> definitely. That's definitely. what we go for. That's cool. That's really cool. How did you guys come up with the name, Blacklist Unit, or how did you come up with the name? What's the uh? Well,
1: I developed quite the reputation, you know, being such a hellion as a kid and you know in my early 20s and stuff,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: that uh, you know it hasn't behooved me, you know, in certain areas. But also at the same time, I don't really, you know, if someone says they're going to do something, I hold people accountable basically. And in Los Angeles, that seems to be um, kind of not PC apparently or whatever. Because I'll call somebody out, and you know, I've developed quite a reputation and. Um, You know, I just kind of always liked the outlaw rocker too. You know, and it it just so so happens to be I, you know, became that by default. But you know, I just um, I like the name because we've been blacklisted uh, from you know quite a few places. (laughs) Um, But um, you know, but it's not rock and roll if you haven't. I don't know. You know, so it was just a bunch of blacklisted guys that united. You know.
0: Right. No, it's cool. I love. I like the name. It's really cool. It's very uh, It's very original. Um, and in terms of, like you said, that's an interesting thing you said about how people don't want to really be held accountable or take responsibility. And, uh, yeah, that just fascinates me, I think, in all areas of life, whether it's at a job you're working at and someone's just, like, not doing much. You know, it's just, it's, yeah, those behaviors just drive me crazy. So I can appreciate why you call people out on that type of stuff.
1: Right, yep. yeah, I mean, just, I teach my son, you have to be accountable, you know. Yeah, you know. yeah, take
0: responsibility that. and, right, follow through on things, and, yeah, definitely. So, so tell us a little bit about the album, because I know that, you know, from what I read, you had a lot of different people involved in, uh, you know, working on it with you, and tell us about some of the collaborations and give plugs to some of those people, as well as your band members, Um
1: Well, I mean, the, uh, till death do us part, you know, um, you know, after Alabama Slammer happened, um, you know, the experience that I was telling you about when she left Mm -hmm. me and I fell apart and, um, I decided to, uh, to go on, um, meds and, uh, I really lost my mind there for a while. Like, um, and a lot of the, you know, and, and these were doctor prescribed and I don't, I'm not a doctor. People can do what they want, but. I think they are the worst drugs on the planet, and I'm lucky I didn't live. <laughs> I, I didn't die. You know what I mean? But were because you on, like,
0: antidepressants, or, antidepressant, or were you on more of...
1: Uh, antidepressant, a mood, a mood stabilizer, and Xanax. So they told oh, me gosh. I had post-traumatic stress disorder. And okay. um, I was manic, and then uh, something else. Uh, oh, bipolar, yeah. So I believe this doctor, he puts <laughs> me on these meds, and and I really lost my mind. Like, for real, Wow. So I recorded that CD during this time, you know, and um, a lot of it, you know, I I don't even remember. Like, I remember bits and pieces of doing the um, the vocals, like bits and pieces, small fragments. Sure. And as far oh as actually gosh. writing the melodies and the lyrics, like, I, don't, I mean, I don't even remember that. I mean, I know it was me for sure, but, <laughs> you know, I, I don't crazy. even remember that. And uh, that's a whole other story because, you know, the next CD is about a lot of this stuff. But, um, you know, I had a, a, another friend of mine, Mike Starr from Allison Chains, that after Blown Away is actually about him, you know, because it's about um, watching your friends die from drugs and there's nothing you can do about it. Like you've tried, there's nothing you can do, and all you can do wow. is just wait,
0: you know. And that was well, it's it's that's it's a perfect lead-in to talk a little bit about that song because that was my other choice that I picked tonight because I just I love that right. track too. It was very different from, you know, Alabama Slammer, which is like this you know killer upbeat like you said in your face, right. and this one's a little more mellow and melodic and yeah. So tell us more a little bit about that. That's crazy in terms I mean, of that happening. I mean, to Mike your was my.
1: F- he I met him when I was seventeen and, and I had no idea, like I had I was a kid and I had no clue that was like it was ninety four and I had no clue mm-hmm. that Alison Chains even had money. Like I, I he had just got I say he got thrown back to the wolves, like from Allison Chains. He was just riding high, you know, and he got thrown back basically, you know, to the streets, you know. And I met him when I was a kid and it was because I was I didn't know who he was not, but I was sticking up for him For something that went down I was like hey man you know what happened to this dude Leave the dude alone what the hell you know And then um, They were like oh well that's Mike from Alice in Chains I'm like so what you know I don't care And he was like you don't even know Who I am and you stuck up for me To him that meant something at the time But you know I I knew him He was my dear friend we were roommates And I loved him and we went Through a lot of stuff and there was a funny story About Mike like if you knew Mike Like you know, he used to like to, like, steal stuff, like, just for fun, okay. so, Great. one, like, he, one time I get a call, and, from this girl, and, and she's like, Mike's running down Fairfax with a suit of armor, and I was like, well, what should I do, you know, but, um, we were roommates, and he, and my skateboard gets stolen, and I'm like, man, someone stole my skateboard, and, you know, a week later, he comes home, and he's like, you like my new skateboard? I'm like, that's mine, dude. You stole my skateboard, and you're trying to pass <laughs> it off as your... But, you know, he was a really funny guy, and we did a lot of living together, and, you know, I used to call him out a lot of stuff, and I was one of the only... You know, if you're a friend, a real friend, doesn't mm-hmm. a friend call, call you out if you're in danger? I mean, isn't that yeah, what a friend's you supposed to hope, do? Yeah, would
0: hope. Absolutely. You would right? hope that's that what someone would do if they're genuine, and absolutely...
1: So he knew he always got this straight, you know, with me. So um, we went through a lot of things, and there's this one experience where, you know, that was really heavy and, um, you know, blown away is about is about, you know, and the whole bridge is about this experience me and Mike went through. And this, you know, and he was living in this trailer, and um, he's like, "Come see my new house." And I, I go into this really nice house. I'm like, "Oh, this is cool." And he's like, "Oh no, my house is in the back." So, he takes me to this trailer. I couldn't even stand up straight in it. And he's like, "Isn't it cool?" I'm like, "No, Aww. dude, it's not cool." I'm like, right. "How many records? How many records did you sell?" And you're living here. I'm like, "Come on, you know what are you doing?" And you what
0: know. just educate me because I wasn't. I mean, I like Allison Chains. I'm not some like you know fanatical right. person who knows a lot about them. What was the story in terms of him leaving the band or being dismissed from the band?
1: It depends who you talk to, you know. Mike right. says he. Mike said he quit, and you know I've heard. Of, and Jerry says he got right. fired, but whatever.
0: And, right. You know, they okay. Just,
1: but Lane wanted him in the band the whole time. That's why Lane wouldn't tour, basically. Wow.
0: So, wow. Okay. Well, okay. Mike
1: with, was with Lane uh, the last night Lane was alive. Mike was with him, but you know oh, he was my, my good friend, and I even asked him to play on the on the CD, and he died. Um, March 8th, 2011, and that was the day that I put down the meds and was like, I'm never going to do these ever again, and I went through this horrendous kick, but that's another story. And, um, okay. But, but well, let's, this. About let's that.
0: Yeah, let's play this uh, tribute to Mike and, uh, you know, your, your friendship with him, and then we'll come back and uh, talk a little bit more about the album, and I think I read somewhere that you're going to come out with another one, so... Your interview is great, Tony, so I'd love to bring you back on and we can do another real in-depth interview of things that we don't get to tonight in the future. Okay? Okay? Perfect. All right. Hold on. All right, everyone. Again, Tony West from Blacklist Union. We're going to check out Blown Away. Again, one of my personal favorites off of their album. So take a listen and we'll be back in a moment. Mm -hmm. All right, everyone, again, welcome back to the Carrie Ottoman Show, Blown Away by Blacklist Union off of their album that is out right now. It is their third full-length CD, and uh, check it out, Till Death Do Us Part. Let's bring Tony back on. I don't want to keep him on all night, even though this interview could go on forever. (laughs) All right, Tony, awesome track again. Another one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, thank you so much.
0: Really Yeah, really cool stuff. And it's interesting because the music is a little different than some of the stuff that I listen to, but I have to tell you, I mean, I really have taken to it and I really enjoy Mm -hmm. it and I I work out to it and, uh, yeah, it's great. Really good.
1: That's cool. That's always good when you hear um, people are working out to it.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Nice. Definitely. So, um, yeah, so please plug some of the people. I know, you know, briefly I'd, mentioned it earlier, but we were, you know, going over so many different things. Um, some of the members of Saliva and Crazy Town and, you know, please give some plugs to anyone you want to that have, you know, yeah. been a part of this album.
1: Uh, I wrote a good majority of the songs with Anthony Valley who was in Crazy Town. You know, they had that song Butterfly, which was their hit song. And, yeah. But he's now a, a producer and a writer and writes for a lot of TV shows and stuff and a good friend of mine. And um, I also wrote a song with uh, Todd Youth um, who I was telling you about earlier, um, you know, put together those punk rock bands when he was like 12. Mm-hmm. But, um, he's since played with, uh, you know, everyone from Danzig to Glenn Campbell and all kinds of stuff he's doing. He's put, I think he's playing with Ace Freely now, but we wrote Digging for Gold together, uh, which is one of my favorite tracks. And um, then I wrote a couple songs um, with, uh, you know, the guitar players that have been in the band. And, um, then as far as recording, that was a whole other experience, which was pretty cool. I, I got to work with Hunt Sales, who is, you know, uh, as old as my parents, actually. and um, But he's a, a legend. He played with Iggy in the 70s and Bowie in the 80s, you know.
0: Nice, <laughs> so nice. He had, he
1: had some great stories. And, um, you know, he's such a, like, he's so ghetto. He's he's like ghetto punk rock, dude <laughs> His father is... Um, Soupy Sales, which is this old comedian guy. Oh
0: my gosh! And you know, it's so funny. I gotta just interrupt for a second. I wouldn't even know who that is, but like I said, I listen to Howard Stern, and I've been a fan for a little while now. And yeah, that was right. a huge influence. Whoever that, you know, Soupy Sales is a Howard Stern, and he'll briefly here and right. there comment on him. So that's funny. Yep. Wow.
1: So he hunts his son. So he um, put some amazing stuff down. Uh, he was so fun to work with, and then. Of course, you know his stories. Like I was like, did you ever meet Sid Vicious? You know, I'm asking him all these stories. You know,
0: and
1: <laughs> he was telling me all this great stuff. You know, it just I really I could hear that guy talk for for a long time. And nice. He was a lot of fun to work with. And then the guys in Saliva, of course, I've known them um, since um, about '98 before they were even signed because Tracy, my wow. uh, first wife, that passed away, um, she went to school with a few of them, so she knew them. Oh, Yeah, and I had known those guys, so they played on the CD as well. Uh, You know, um, Paul, the drummer, played on a couple tracks, and then also um, Dave, the bass player, and Wayne, uh, the guitar player, did all the bass and uh, rhythm guitar parts. And then on on lead guitar was Johnny Love, who's been a friend of mine since I was a teenager, Um, actually since I was about 16, and... um, he, he used to play in a band called Love Hate so okay. is pretty pretty well known like late 80s early 90s band especially in Europe but um, he's a guitar master and it was a lot of fun and we always work with um, well we have thus far uh, work with Chris Johnson our producer who's you know like the sixth member of Blacklist Union for sure you know if mm-hmm. anyone deserves a plug he does and you know he's worked with everyone from Hillary Duff to like Goldfinger to you know Vince Neil whatever and He's an amazing guy. He he allows us to do what we do, you know. And a good thing about us is that you know we're not listening to some guy in a suit like telling us to make a song right. a certain way, who knows nothing about music. And I always come to this. I say, like the reason why there's no Queens or Zeppelins or ACDCs or whatever, is because back then no one went in and told Freddie Mercury that Bohemian Rhapsody was too long. And, like, he needed needed to take out the Mamma Mia parts because he doesn't think they'll like it and blah, blah, blah. Like, they didn't do that. They allowed them to do what they do and create their art, you know?
0: Exactly. Exactly. When you have
1: people that are, like, corporate money people, like, money-hungry people up in the art, it kind of comes across. Like, people can feel what's real and what's what's not you know what's authentic and what's not like you can feel it with your soul whether you know it or not you'll feel it and that's why you like it you know what I mean it's like, mm-hmm. so um, like right. for Guns N' Roses like for me when I first heard them as a kid like so young it was like the opening note of that just it did something to me like still to this day like I'll be like oh no I can't listen to that right now or you know
0: <laughs> it's like because
1: it does something to me you know so that's kind of where we like to come from
0: Nice. No, I mean, you had, like you said, I mean, including yourself, just, you know, some amazing, talented people working on that album, and it definitely showed in terms of the product that you guys uh, put out yeah, there. Yeah, it's so, fun well, to
1: work with them, too, Is a non-drama, um, like, non-kind of thing. Right. It was a very fun experience, which it should be that, you know.
0: Right, yep.
1: Not a lot of pressure, yep. you know. So.
0: Now it sounds like, again, you had the creative freedom and flexibility to, to do what you want and you know the producer Chris like you said was letting you guys do your yeah. thing and then you had all these amazing other people involved and yeah sounds like a, He's a amazing great amazing because
1: he he believed in me when nobody did and you know people used to say I suck as a singer or whatever and you know I worked really hard to to uh, become the mm-hmm. singer that I am and um, you know Chris definitely took me under his wing and was like I know you're good dude come on we're doing a record you know so, that's
0: great That yeah, is so cool really it, Yeah mm-hmm. and like you said I think And hopefully maybe We can kind of Come full circle From the beginning Of the interview You know You despite Growing up And what was going on And people not believing you Or you know Giving you credit You believed in yourself And along the way right, You met some really Cool people That also believed in you And, and gave you that right. chance And
1: right.
0: Yeah I think that's a really The yin cool and the yang
1: thing. That's my life Right there yeah. yin and yang
0: Yeah <laughs> There you go. So any upcoming tours, any shows that you want to plug?
1: Yeah, well, we're going to be at um, February 4th. Uh, we'll be at the um, House of Blues in West Hollywood, California. Okay. Um, and then uh, we're going to Europe, I know. We're working on that. I- I'm really excited about that. And, wow. Uh, we'll be hitting some some big cities for sure in the, in the States this year as well. Um, we love Dallas, Chicago, Memphis. We do really well at um, New York uh, we do really well in the Midwest and even you know we've done well in Seattle and uh, Vegas so cool. we'll kind of catching very on very
0: cool yeah. yeah well it's it's great stuff you guys have and as I said I would love to do a follow up interview when you put out the next album and, uh, sure. and I wish you guys just nothing but much continued success with everything you're doing Tony so you know great work thank you so much thank you yeah so I please, it. if you can, promote the um, podcast because if anyone tuned in late or couldn't tune in, the podcast does very well and people can just download it for free, stream it, whatever they want to do. So I'd really okay. appreciate if you could kind of, you know, push it out on the different sites that you have. Okay. All right.
1: Cool. And you'll send me so, that link or?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'll send you the link. It's the same one that I posted on all my pages, but once, you know, I've got to wait till it's done and then it'll yeah. go into podcast mode. So I'll send it to you personally. All right. Cool. But well, yeah, thank you so much you. for, yeah, yeah, thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to uh, having another interview in the future. Okay.
1: Awesome. You take care.
0: All right. Thanks, Tony. Have a great night. Bye.
1: You. Bye. Bye.
0: All right, everyone. Again, Tony West from Blacklist Union. Really cool interview, and just really authentic, down to earth, and, and shared a lot of stuff. So if you did tune in late, you got to check it out from the beginning definitely were able to uh, come full circle at the end and, and show just how persistent and dedicated he has been to get to where he is today. So check them out. Go to blacklistunion.com. You can find them also on Facebook, on Twitter, and download a copy of their album, Till Death, Do Us Part, and we played two tracks tonight off of that too. So I wanted to do a quick couple of plugs because the interview was going so quickly and flowing well. I didn't want it on. Um intervene, but definitely be sure to check out talentspotlightmagazine.net. It is an online magazine, and it does some really thorough, comprehensive interviews on artists and musicians and filmmakers and all different people in entertainment. And also, if you're a fan of comedy, check out Davin's Den, which is a fast-paced podcast featuring comedians Davin Rosenblatt, Joe Curry, and Pip So if you're looking for a show that can make you think and laugh at the same time, then Davin's Den is the show for you. They go live Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time to watch live episodes. Ugh, long sentence. To watch live episodes here or watch old episodes or to find out more about the show, go to Davin's Den page on davincomedy.com, and that is spelled D-A-V-I-N. All right, upcoming interviews. We've got a ton of different stuff in the works. I'm just going to actually go to my Facebook page to get some of the stuff that I've been posting about we are going to be having, at the end of the month, uh, the Metal and Hard Rock Band, Black Light District, coming on. Don't want to confuse them with Blacklist Union. So uh, check those guys out. They're going to come on the end of the month. I'm also in the process of booking the Zero Union, uh, Royal Bliss three years hollowed some really major uh, national bands and uh, a band called Catharsis which is up and coming is going to come on and some comedians I'm in the works with too so please become a fan of the Carrie Edelman show on Facebook and uh, you'll be able to see all the upcoming events that I have and posts that I do I would really appreciate it And if you follow me on Twitter at Carrie Edelman, I'll follow you. And also you can befriend me on Facebook uh, to keep in touch personally. I have two personal pages. One is maxed out, but the other one still is open. So please send some requests. Thank you, everyone, for a great night and for Blacklist Union for joining us. And we will be back uh, maybe next week. I'm in the process I might be able to book something for next Tuesday because Monday is a holiday. Um, All right. So have a great night, and thanks again for the continued support.